Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Purdy Insurance. Visit Purdy Insurance on Market Street in Sunbury or visit online at purdyinsurance.com. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. How are you? Monday edition of the Steve Jones Show, News Radio 1070 WKOK. You can find us at stevejonesshow.com. And you can also find us on your smartphone and tablet when you subscribe to our free podcast. Go to either Google Play, iTunes, Apple Podcast app, search Steve Jones Show, hit subscribe. Drop the shows right to your smartphone and tablets. You can listen to them anytime, anywhere. And you also have access to three months of previous shows at stevejonesshow.com. Our email is stevejones at wkok.com. You can drop us a line there. Also on social media, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, Twitter handle at stevejonespsu. I'm Sean Carey, and Steve will be in the Sunbury Motor Studio in just a moment. Sunbury Motors Ford Lincoln Hyundai, North 4th Street Auto Plaza Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia on the strip routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Penn State active over the weekend. Uh, the hockey team just came up short 3-2 on the road at Notre Dame. Notre Dame claims another Big Ten championship. Penn State was looking for their second in three years. So Notre Dame wins there. Uh, wins uh, another Big Ten crown uh, since joining the conference. Also, we have Penn State wrestling. Well, that was that was a done deal just after lunchtime. On Saturday afternoon, the team winning their eighth national championship in the past nine years. And three wrestlers out of the five claiming individual national championships in Pittsburgh at PPG Paints Arena on Saturday night, including the uh, fantastic story uh, for senior heavyweight Anthony Kassar, who did not start in the lineup last year at 197, uh, made it into the lineup this year at heavyweight, much more comfortable uh, at that weight for Anthony. Cruised through the season uh, with a perfect mark and getting the win, knocking out uh, the number one seeded wrestler from Oklahoma State on Saturday night. So congrats to Anthony Gassar, Jason Nolf, also finishing an undefeated season, and also Bo Nickel, each winning their, th- uh, uh, Nolf and Nickel winning their third straight, uh, three straight individual championships, joining Zane Rutherford and Ed Ruth in very, very exclusive company. Also taking uh, runner-up honors, uh, their individual respective weights over the weekend, Mark Hall and Vincenzo Joseph at 165. So Joseph with two golds and one silver as he heads into his senior campaign. Team race not even close with Penn State mopping up the rest of the field. Uh, I believe Ohio State was 40 points back. Next year, the Nationals will be held in Minnesota, where the Vikings play football. Speaking of football, a couple of notes from over the weekend. Uh, Last night on social media on Instagram, uh, New England Patriots tight end Rob Gronkowski announcing his retirement and also 
a Philadelphia Eagle, a former Philadelphia Eagle, announced his retirement yesterday. Wide receiver Jeremy Macklin. Uh, he announced his decision during his wife's baby shower yesterday. So that uh, probably surprised quite a few people uh, that were in attendance there yesterday. But a nice moment. Congrats to uh, uh, Jeremy and his better half. So as Jeremy moves on, uh, uh, his career got off to a quick start. 2009, when the Eagles took him, was the overall 19th pick in the uh, 2009 draft. Played in 15 games that year, 56 passes, 773 yards, and four touchdowns. And then... Michael Vick joined the team the next year, and Macklin's numbers improved to 70 catches, 964 yards, and 10 touchdowns. So Jeremy Macklin calling it a career. So there is some breaking news uh, that came down this afternoon. Federal prosecutors in New York and California have charged celebrity attorney Michael Avenatti with extortion plus bank and wire fraud. Avenatti was charged with attempting to extort more than $20 million in payments from Nike by threatening to use his ability to garner publicity to inflict substantial financial and reputational harm on the company if his demands were not met. The 48-year-old Avenatti had previously represented adult film star Stormy Daniels in her lawsuit against President Trump and his former lawyer, Michael Cohen. So giving you our guest lineup, Ben Jones, statecollege.com, Penn State writer. Talk a little Penn State hockey with Ben. Also get a little hoops from Ben. Oh, speaking of hoops, uh, National College basketball writer, Kerry Miller from Bleach Reporter. Join us next hour. Got him tabbed at 4.06. Get his thoughts on the first weekend of the NCAA tournament with Duke barely escaping against Taco in Central Florida last night. So Kerry will join us next hour, and we'll also have more college basketball conversation tomorrow. Great Penn State alum and friend of the show, Dana O'Neill from The Athletics. She'll be with us tomorrow afternoon. Also later this week, it'll be the Philadelphia Phillies. They'll be starting their season here on WKOK on Thursday afternoon against the Atlanta Braves. So prior to the uh, Phillies regular season start here on WKOK, we'll be talking to uh, baseball analyst Kevin Franson from the Phillies radio yeah. network. He'll be joining us on Wednesday afternoon. Very nice. Um, all right, I want to start with national championship. Uh, except we're not going to do this the way, the conventional way, because you know I don't do things usually a conventional way. I want to start with Allie McHugh. Like Allie McHugh, what about the wrestling title? We'll get to that in a second. All right. Allie McHugh did something that's never been done here before. She won a national championship in women's swimming for Penn State. She won the 1650 by five seconds. Five seconds. That means you've touched the wall, and you're like, okay, come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. She shaved eight seconds off her Big Ten winning time. Allie McHugh at the Nationals in Irvine, California, won her way onto the national team and then went to Tokyo. Remember we had Rowdy Gaines on? That's right, show? last August, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, okay. She won the national championship. Now, the reason I'm starting there and not with wrestling is this. All of you watch the wrestling. All of you watch the wrestling. None of you knew she won the national title. So that's why I wanted to get to that first. I wanted to get to something you didn't know about first, 
and then go to something you knew about second. Last, it was September, I did a sit-down interview for about 15 minutes with Allie over at McCoy Natatorium for a feature. You know, I think everyone, I think by now most people that listen to the show know that I'm the producer of the segment Roar on the football and basketball shows. And one of the Roar segments was on Allie McHugh. I got Sandy Barber to comment about her. And then we got Rowdy Gaines, obviously. the In fact, the interview that we did with Rowdy on this show, I then used it in the TV piece. She's a big sports fan. She goes to everything on campus. She goes to football games. She'll go to lacrosse games. She's right there in the front row with Legion of Blue at all the basketball games. She loves it. She loves the experience of being at Penn State. She's studying to be a nurse. Her mom's a nurse. And she used to go in with her mom when she was younger, and, and it's something that she's drawn to. Well, in the swimming pool, she won a silver medal in this 1650 last year. And now comes back and wins the gold this year at the national championship. And what she's done is spectacular. It's under the radar. A lot of people may not know about it. It, I wanted to put it on the radar today before we get to the wrestling part of it. So congratulations to her because she won a national championship this weekend, and I think most of you didn't know it. And that's a shame most of you didn't know it, because what she did was significant. Uh, The fencing team, by the way, finished second at the Nationals in Cleveland to Columbia. Now for the wrestling. And I want to go about this in a little bit different way than I think some of you would think about it. I want to actually start with Mark Hall and Vincenzo Joseph. Mark Hall and Vincenzo Joseph are two incredibly hardworking, dedicated, throw them their heart and soul into the sport, great work ethic, great talent. Each has won national championships, Joseph twice and Mark Hall once. Now, why did I start with them? They are great wrestlers dedicated work ethic. They do everything it takes to be a national champion. They know what it means to be a national champion. They've both won before. Them ending up in each one of them ending up in the runner-up spot tells you how good Bo Nickel, Jason Nolf, and Anthony Cassar are. Sometimes you need the perspective of how hard it is to do something. Nickel and Nolf, over the last three years, to their great credit, have made everything look easy. To their great credit, they have made everything look easy, even though everything they've done is very hard. And that's where their ability... That's where the perspective of seeing Mark Hall and Vincenzo Joseph fit a second should really emphasize how difficult it is to win a national title, let alone win three in a row. 
how many bouts you have to win? Five? Something like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in other words, Bo Nickel and Jason Nolf have each won 15 in a row at Nationals. And I believe each one has 19 and one in their lifetime at Nationals. Zane Rutherford, Ed Ruth, Jason Nolf, Bo, Bo Nickel, all three-time champions. How difficult is it to win a national title in wrestling, individually? Well, David Taylor, as talented as anybody we've ever seen here, won twice. Just to win one is a huge deal. To win three in a row, off the charts. And Anthony Kassar breaks through and wins his first. Again, Joseph and Hall not quite getting over the final hurdle and both know how to do it. They've each won national titles. They've combined for three. Tells you how hard it is to do it. Which then puts in perspective the greatness of Nickel, Nolf, and then what Kassar achieved. Won eight in the last nine of the dynasty of the 2000s. I know some people are saying it's the greatest dynasty in sports. Okay, let's just cool your jets and just enjoy it. Okay. UCLA basketball won 10 out of 12. <laughs> Celtics won 11 out of 13. The Montreal Canadiens, okay, we can go on and on and on. Okay. But that doesn't take away from their accomplishment of winning four in a row and eight of their last nine. They're the dynasty of the 2000s. And it's a, it's a program of, of incredible class. It's a program that graduates its student-athletes. It's a program that has tried very hard to reshape wrestling to make it more exciting because Cale Sanderson really encourages a a go-for-it wrestling style. But Penn State is the only one that does it. That's why I'm going to be very honest with you right now. In terms of the aesthetics of Saturday, of excuse me, of Friday night, Trying to think, yes, Friday night. The aesthetics of Friday night in the semifinals. No offense, that was a very dull two hours. In yet twenty bouts, right in the semifinals. How many shots did you see taken? Thirty total. I mean, seriously. I mean, you watched it, Sean. Okay, it's two to one. It's 3-2 to two with 30 seconds to go in the third period. How often did we see that over and over and over and over again? Because everybody was, I think, was trying to be defensive as to how they wrestled, and it, didn't, it did nothing for the sport on Friday. It did nothing. I mean, who tried to take big shots? Who tried to do something big? Who? Tell me. Who tried to do something big? Nickel always does. Even Jason Nolfka kind of bogged down in one that went to the wire. I mean, sometimes you have to win that way. But the problem is when all ten of them are like that, or nine of the ten are like that, you know, you're hoping for a more exciting, off-the-charts place going crazy, like a Bo Nickel move against, you know, like you did with in last year in the final in Cleveland. I mean, people will never forget that because of how exciting it was. 
It was exciting. What was exciting on Friday night? I mean, winning's always always fun, but like in terms of like drawing the casual fan in, go around the circle, round the circle, round to the circle, round the. I mean, it was like watching. It was, you know, it was, it was dancing bear night at the ballpark. Now the final, I think the final we saw more, a little bit more. You know, Nolf was really good. Kassar was really good. You know, Nickel, you know, picked his spots, took took his shots, but you know, like even the hall one, the hall thing was eh, kind of okay. Feel out, feel out, feel out. You know, Joseph, same thing. Feel out, feel out. Then he fell behind. You know, I mean, did you feel that way watching it? Or my biggest, ah. I, it's I wouldn't say it's a huge complaint, but the the one takeaway I have from the weekend, it just seems like there was a lot of there was a lot of video reviews going on. Oh, I'm sick of video yeah, reviews. Uh, the video reviews just seem to really bog it down. I mean, I know they've got to try to get the call right, but it just seemed like it really it really breaks the flow. And a lot of times, well, none of the calls, a huge chunk of them, the, the, the calls don't get overturned anyway. It's just, when I look, you know, I you know what Kale's emphasizing. All of us know that. We've been around him now for 10 years. So we all know what he's emphasizing. Kale's emphasizing... Go for it. Don't be afraid to make the big move. Don't be afraid to make the big throw, okay? Go for it. Yet you feel like he's the only coach. I mean, thank goodness there's one in its pool. Yeah, you watch other the other programs wrestle. You feel like they're all wrestling not to lose. And that doesn't, I'm sorry, that doesn't help the sport. Now, having the Olympic trials here next year, how about that? Function, yeah, the 2020 trials will be in the jury. Exciting. <laughs> it was great news. This is even, uh, you know, last year being held in, in rec hall. This is even even bigger news. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah so that's that's remarkable. But again, Penn State, Penn State wins. They've got awesome talent. Awesome talent has done a lot for the for them, but they've also done it in, with a flair. Nolf pins, no nickel pins. Kassar is an exciting heavyweight to watch. Yeah, but so many other, you know, but there are ten bouts out there. Penn State can't win all ten. And so now you've got other programs wrestling. You sit there and you're watching and you're like, will somebody do something? Do something. Okay, just like stop holding your head out to their headgear. They're going in a circle. Hand out to the headgear. Going in a circle. Meanwhile, the Penn State guys are trying to take shots. They're trying to get something done. They're trying to probe and look for something, and they're not wrestling defensively. I don't know. Uh, there's more. If the, if people want to really advance the sport, they've got to take a look at how Penn State goes about its business. Penn State's advancing the sport. Other programs are still doing stuff that that was done in the seventies. Uh, and in all services, Penn State's trying to do everything it can to advance the sport, make it more exciting, make it more more visually great for the audience. And other programs are still doing stuff in the 70s and 80s. 
Now, you got to do whatever it takes to win. I mean, if it's not your style, not your way of doing it, I got it. I mean, you can't you can't be out of character. But it doesn't mean I have to watch it either. <laughs> okay. This is how I win, two to one. Terrific. All right, let's see what's going on on TBS. <laughs> Next year, they're going to be in the Dome. They are going to have... It's going to be interesting to see. I want to see. If, I wonder what the max crowd they can put in there because I don't think they're going to put it in the center of the football stadium. I think they're going to put it to one end. So maybe they can draw 40,000, 50,000. That'd be something else, huh? Now we have to get a GoFundMe page for Dick and Milton. So we can get some of the lower bowl seats. <laughs> I want them to be able to see what's going on. I just wonder if that many people. Uh, what, what was it? What, what what Paul Alexander say on Friday? Some of the tickets were going for what seven eight hundred a pop. Yeah, be curious with uh, even more people in one location if uh, if some if the demand would be that high next year. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see. No, no, not even remotely close. I wouldn't think. No, you can get next year. Get for fifty dollars because there's so many seats. <laughs> the demand, what you know, what? Going to be more seats. I mean, this year, believe it or not, Pittsburgh was a was a smaller venue than what they, even what they're normally in. See, that was a big complaint about going to Pittsburgh. Big complaint about going to Pittsburgh is that you lost I don't know a thousand to fifteen hundred seats, maybe two thousand seats over what you normally get. See, and that was a big problem for them. All right. Uh, next half hour, we'll uh, go to uh, uh, Ben Jones, and then we'll bring in uh, Chris Soleri later in the show from uh, Michigan State. And uh, we'll also have Kerry Miller on today from Bleacher Report here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Brought to you by our good friends at. Sunbury Motors and Purdy Insurance. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Sunbury Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicles will. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. For nearly 100 years, Purdy Insurance has been your locally owned, family operated source for insurance products. With a staff of over 20 and partnerships with some of the industry's most trusted companies, Purdy has the experience and resources to get the job done. Whether you need personal, home, and auto, or complex business insurance solutions, Purdy will help you navigate through the process. Call today at 570-286-5855. Or better yet, stop in their Sunbury office to see what Purdy Insurance can do for you. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. 
Now, from the Sunbury Motors studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key, which 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance. Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Auto, home, life, business. Whatever your insurance needs are, they'll get you the best insurance so you're covered. The right price. And if there's ever a claim, they'll take care of Oh, man, will they go to work for you. Customer comes first. That's Purdy Insurance. Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. And in the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. All right. Do you see uh, who got in trouble today with the feds? Michael Avenatti. You see that? Had to do with Nike, believe it or not. With Nike. They said that now it is alleged by um, the government that Avenatti tried to extort more than $20 million in payments from Nike by threatening to use his ability to garner publicity to inflict substantial financial and reputational harm on the company if his demands were not met. Uh, He was calling a press conference for... um, Was it 11 a.m. today or 11 a.m. tomorrow? One of the two. And he was calling a press conference. Uh, the complaint says Avenatti's client is a coach of an image of an AAU men's basketball program in California. For a number of years, the AAU program co- coached by client one, that'd be the suit, had a sponsorship agreement with Nike, pursuant to which Nike paid the AAU program approximately $72,000 a year. Avenatti was accused of embezzling a client's money to pay his own expenses and debts, as well as those of his coffee business and law firm. Avenatti tweeted out, okay, this is this is what got things going. Tomorrow at 11 a.m., this is his tweet, we will be holding a press conference to disclose a major high school college basketball scandal perpetrated by Nike that we have uncovered. This criminal conduct reaches the highest levels of Nike and involves some of the biggest names in college basketball. Well, he put out that that tweet, and guess what? Three and a half hours later, he was arrested. According to the complaint, the co-conspirator contacted Nike and said that he wished to speak to representatives of the company and that the discussion should occur in person, not over the phone, as it pertained to a sensitive matter. During a meeting with Nike's lawyers in New York on March 19th, Avenatti stated that the AAU coach, whose contract Nike had recently decided not to renew, had evidence that one or more Nike employees had authorized and funded payments to the families of top-notch high school basketball players and or their families and attempted to conceal those payments, similar to conduct involving Adidas, that had recently been the subject of criminal prosecution. According to prosecutors, Avenatti demanded that Nike pay his client $1.5 million for any claims that the coach might have regarding Nike's decision not to renew the team's contract. Uh, 
Avenatti told Nike's attorneys, I'm not, I'll say, messing around. Okay, I think you can assume what word he, he was using with this. And I'm not continuing to play games during the conference call. You guys know enough now to know you've got a serious problem. Well, turns out he's got the serious problem. And not only that, there are two cases in California, one in Santa Ana and the other one in Los Angeles that he's facing right now, too. The total number of years he could face in prison for everything here is 47. 47 years. Should I have exposed the suit as client one? Is that wrong? Oops. I feel badly about that. It's just when we're at the holiday parties and he's bragging about it, you know how it goes. You know? Well, the red flag one is when he said, put it on my tab. When was the last time you you heard that? And you you and I both know that when that wallet opens and a moth flies out, (laughs) that tells you everything. No wonder he had to take a seat. (laughs) Yeah, our guy was suffering that night. He did have to take a seat. He was exhausted. Meanwhile, you and I are happily, you know, going around the room and talking to people. Having a good time. Meanwhile, he claimed he was, quote, working in the room. You and I had fun, as usual. And after eight minutes, he got tired of working in the room. (laughs) All right. Uh, With that guy that always works the room, does really well. Ben Jones, statecollege.com. Hello, Ben. Hey, Steve. Thanks for having me. And I'll sign, uh, you know, whatever you guys got for me. I'm not sure how much it's worth, but I'll I'll, I'll do it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> hey, let's start with this. Um, obviously, the, the Sweet 16 is interesting. There's you know the top three seeds in each bracket are through. But how have you felt about the quality of basketball we've watched the last four days? Yeah, I mean, there have been a lot of great games. You know, you look at Duke yesterday. You look at, uh, you know, really the, the first round, Mississippi State Liberty. Mississippi State's got a lead late. It looks like they're going to take care of it. Liberty comes on a charge. Um, it, it seems like pretty much uh, every game has been close. There are certainly some exceptions. You know, Purdue runs by Villanova pretty easily. Um, but, you know, even Iowa, the, the, the storm back to tie Tennessee to end up losing in overtime. Just so many of these games have been have been close. It hasn't really mattered in the seed. Certainly you look at the bracket and go, yeah, pretty much the top four everywhere, uh, you know, moved on in their area. But, you know, it certainly has not been that easy. No, it has not been easy. But I feel like there have been a lot of turnovers and odd passes to no one, cross-court passes in the lanes that have been picked off. I mean, there are times where I felt like the ball's been a ping-pong ball out there. Yeah, and I and that's certainly, you know, it's not a, you know, it hasn't always been the most beautiful basketball at times. It, it does seem like there have been a lot of games against two good teams that have been uh, you know, they're still in the, the low 20s at the five-minute mark or so of the first half, and it opens up a little bit in the second half, but there's no doubt that sometimes closeness, and you look at, you know, across the nation this year, there's a lot of high-scoring games. You look at LSU Maryland, both in the 60s. Right. Um, you know, there's these games that are not necessarily high-scoring. Liberty, Virginia Tech was, you know, basically in the 50s and 60s. Uh, a lot of these games have not been blowing you out of the water. You sort of expect that for Virginia, uh, but if these different teams have been playing that kind of brand of flow, and, and sometimes flow equals, you know, a little sloppy, a little hard to watch. 
but in terms of entertainment value, you know, it's hard to beat a uh, game that's close in the final minute. Obviously, Duke and UCF has been the game of the tournament so far. I mean, yeah, there have been a couple of upsets like Liberty winning and so forth. But what did you think watching the Duke-UCF game yesterday, which also included, obviously, interesting officiating? Yeah, I mean, I think it, you know, we've seen time and time again, you know, in the regular season when he was healthy and, uh, you know, in that game against UCF, that just, you know, Zion has an ability late in games to make plays, to make uh, free throws. And, and that's really the key. I think, you know, you've seen across the board that you can get to the line, but can you make your shots? And he's been great for that, uh, that bat with, you know, 14 seconds or so to go to, to, you know, I don't remember if they tied it up or took the lead on that. You know, it's one of those situations where you know that's what he's there to do, and it's what he's going to do for a lot of his career is just be a big physical presence. Um, you know, so I, I think you know that it's clearly the game of the tournament so far. You feel for UCF because uh, they really did have Duke on the ropes, but you know, so oftentimes the difference between uh, a really good team and a team that's going to win the tournament isn't necessarily winning by 15 or 20. Um, it's just sort of finding a way in those last couple of possessions to make baskets when you need them. And Duke, to their credit, you know, has figured out a way to do that. I wonder what uh, John Beeline thinks every time he watches Aubrey Dawkins. I mean, how is that mission? People, people forget that, or probably just flat out didn't know. Uh, <laughs> but uh, he was something else yesterday. Um, all right, let's uh, – the Duke part of it, everybody's had a chance to watch Zion Williamson now, at least in – Maybe in the ACC tournament, but definitely the last couple of times. For for CBS, they've got to be CBS. By the way, has the Duke game on Friday night. Uh, Kentucky and North Carolina ended up on TBS in prime time. Duke winning yesterday had to be a real relief to CBS, don't you think? Yeah, I mean you're gonna you're gonna get them. You know the marquee guys. The fact that you know you're gonna have the you know Duke in March is sort of a self. Uh, explanatory brand you know it should be a game, good game against Virginia Tech and I think the one thing that you know Duke people that have not watched a lot of Duke or have not watched Duke until now you have heard of Zion for as long as Zion has been playing basketball uh, but you know Trey Jones has been excellent this year RJ Barrett's been excellent this year this is a Duke team that certainly um, you know Zion makes them a better team there's no doubt about it but you know there's got a whole cast of characters of guys that are very good basketball players that make them a lot of uh, you know fun to watch. So I, I think you know if you're CBS, you go from Virginia Tech to UCF. <laughs> we talk about that with bowl games in terms of you know things that people are going to want to watch. Uh, you know that's a game that's going to be a lot of fun to watch, and you know certainly you know it's a big swing in the, the TV numbers and the ad revenue and all that sort of stuff. So I'm sure you know if anyone was holding their breath as people are shooting free throws late in that game, it was CBS success. Exactly. Yeah, you got that right. <laughs> I understand that completely. Uh, just a couple of other quick notes um, uh, from you. Uh, hockey, of course, ended up in a, in a tough spot. Played on the road at Notre Dame. Notre Dame won. They got the automatic bid. Penn State doesn't make the uh, hockey tournament. And what were your thoughts on how that ended? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a, it was a tough one for Penn State, I think, to swallow a little bit because they almost outshot Notre Dame 2-1 to one in that game. Yep. Um, they were able to play, you know, Notre Dame's a very defensive-minded team. They've got a, a fantastic goalie in Kale Morris who's going to make mm-hmm. uh, you know, himself a, a, a sizable, you know, living in the NHL sooner rather than later. Um, so I, I think, you know, if there's a silver lining for Penn State, it's the fact that they were able to play their game in a place that they've 
you know, everyone has a hard time winning and a hard time playing well, but there's no right. doubt you got to shoot a team two to one. You you score, you know, two goals on the road, two goals in the first period. You feel like you're playing your kind of game to not be able to find that tying goal and not to, you know, play as good a defense as they maybe would have liked and maybe get as good a goaltending from Peyton Jones as they would have liked. Um, there's probably a little sour taste in their mouth, but, you know, at the same time, 22 wins is the second most they've ever had. They finished right. 16th in the pairwise, and if the Atlantic Hockey Conference was at all good at anything, um, they wouldn't have stolen a bid um, from that top 16. So, you know, there's it, it was tough for them, but at the same time, they put themselves in a position to be right there. Um, and if there's any any other silver lining, it's that Minnesota Duluth from the Allentown Regional, so they have, uh, you know, having to find out what happens when they play the number two team in the country in the postseason. But there's no doubt you'd rather have your chance than be watching from home. All right, uh, and then uh, when you look at football, uh, look, we're starting to creep up on the blue-white game. It's two and a half weeks away. What are some areas you're looking at right now of interest that that interest you and you want to follow up on? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we've we talk a lot about the quarterback position. There's no doubt about that. I think it's hard, especially if Tommy is not – in a place where he's playing in the blue-white game, uh, you know, there's only so much you can really glean from whatever Sean does, uh, whatever some of those backups do. But I think really, um, you know, you look at the the spots. It goes without saying. We've said it time and time again. You got to catch the ball. I think you know the receiving core. They can go out in the blue-white game, catch a bunch of passes, look confident. Um, you know, I think that'll go along. Um, but I think ultimately this is one of those seasons where you go, there are a lot of question marks. You know, what are they going to look like at linebacker? How are things going to go there? What's Ricky Slade going to do? Um, you know, what does Brandon Smecker, what does Micah Parsons look like with another, you know, offseason under his belt? These are all things that, you know, you can kind of follow up on. You can kind of look at um, in the offseason. But really, you know, we were talking to Cameron after practice a couple mm-hmm. days ago, right. you know, that he said, you know, we're not going to know what we've got out of some of these guys until those moments show up. You're going to find out who your leaders are, who your playmakers are. So, you know, if I've learned anything over the years, is you can you can project and you can you know predict as much as you want, um, but until we're sitting in Beaver Stadium a few months from now watching actual games, um, you know, everyone's guess is as good as ours is. Right. Uh, you know how things are actually going to unfold. Always a pleasure, Ben. Thanks a lot for your time. Yep. Thanks for having me, Steve. All right. Kerry Miller, National College basketball writer for Bleacher Report. Next half hour, Chris Solari, Lansing State Journal in the final half hour. Tomorrow, Dana O'Neill from The Athletic. Brandon Gowden from Westwood One Sports. Kevin Franson, the analyst for the Phillies Radio Network, is uh, going to join us on Wednesday. Devin still on Friday and the most interesting man in New England, if not the East Coast, on Friday as well. His territory gets bigger. You know what it's like. So I have 14 of the 16 in my Sweet 16. Very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, I'm like in the 90, 93rd percentile or something like that on my bracket. Hey, whatever. And the, and the longest shot I have in there is Oregon. I did get Oregon through this round. I do so, have some of the them. Some of the colleagues down the hall, they, they put a little... They went on CBSSports.com for the bracket, uh, little bracket challenge on there and did a little, I believe, Mark Lawrence, who probably has no clue on 67 of the 68 teams. I think he was up near the top of the standings. There you go. Yeah, about that. Look at him. 
Meanwhile, how did Bo Burton do? <laughs> Not sure. He asked me three. T- he asked me three, three times, at least three times, to fill out a bracket. I haven't filled out a bracket in like over ten years. Well, you don't have to fill out a bracket. Yeah, and I just sit back and watch the games for fun. And so, in other words, a guy whose job it is to influence a buy can't get you to buy in. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I didn't think of it that way. <laughs> Just thought I'd point it out. <laughs> Your station for news, weather, business, and CBS Sports Radio. News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury and on WKOK.com.